Hello, everybody. This is Steve Pixler. Welcome back to the Steve Pixler Podcast. What a joy to be with you again. I want to talk to you today from a theme that I preached a few weeks ago at our church, Freedom Life Church in Mansfield, Texas. And that theme was Jesus in the Marketplace. But I want to talk specifically today about it's Take Your Lord to Work Day. You know all those days that you take kids to work with you? Well, I think it's time for Christians to take the Lord with them. So this theme is really all about uh, learning how to live out the kingdom in everyday life. And this is for believers who understand very well that the biggest part of our life is lived in the workplace. You think about the time we spend with family, good part of that time we're actually sleeping through the night, and yet a big part of the day is the commute in the workplace, then the commute back home, and so a huge part of our kingdom influence is actually spent in the workplace or invested in the workplace. So I think it's very important if we are to see the kingdom come in the world as Jesus promised, I think it's really important that we think about how the kingdom of God comes in our workplace or how we take our Lord to work today. Now, these themes have all come, Jesus in the marketplace, and I've been preaching a message called Where Did I Leave My Keys? And and all of these kingdom themes have been coming out of Matthew chapter 16. That's where we've been camping for a while. In fact, I think maybe my park permit might be expiring. I've been camped there so long. But in Matthew chapter 16, one of the things that fascinates me most is that verse 13 opens, Jesus came into the district, the region, or the coasts, as the King James says. Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. Now, this phrase, Jesus came into, has just been exercising a spell upon my mind. It has seized my imagination. And I'm I'm really drawn to these, Jesus came into, just these three little words, Jesus came into, because so many Christians have been oriented to run from our Caesarea Philippi. We have been trained to believe that the ultimate destiny of the church is to be evacuated, that the second coming is going to come and rescue us from the exigencies, the pressures, the travails, the troubles, the conflicts, the trials, the tribulations of Caesarea Philippi. We have been trained to believe that our prayer should be, Jesus, come and get us out of this awful place. But Jesus took his disciples into Caesarea Philippi. If you've been following this podcast, you know that this is something I've been talking about a lot And that is Jesus did not take his disciples away to a church camp in the wilderness somewhere. He didn't take them down to hide them in some upper room in the temple complex at Jerusalem. He didn't row a boat with them way out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee or sail on some yacht to an island somewhere in the Mediterranean. Jesus did not flee. He's not an escapist. He did not evacuate. He did not run away from the problem, but rather he brought his disciples, as my dad would say, smack dab into the middle of Caesarea Philippi. Now, the reason this is so significant, of course, is that Caesarea Philippi represents the convergence of the three greatest streams of culture that were influencing and dominating the world of that day, Jewish culture, Greek culture, and Roman culture. In fact, when Jesus stood there in Caesarea Philippi, 
you could say in some sense he was standing where Jewish culture with its dead religion, Roman culture with its corrupt politics, and Greek culture with its perverse culture were all colliding. Jesus stood right in the middle of all of it and allowed the tsunami of world culture to break over him. And he, the immovable rock, was not shifted, of course, by this by this assault of spiritual convergence. Now, this teaches us a powerful lesson about what we are meant to do. We are meant to come and stand in the middle of the world, university, workplace, of course, neighborhood, home place, our schools, the PTA, the HOA, um, civic duties such as being involved in the city uh, council or in your community. In whatever area that you can be involved, Jesus Christ is calling the church to go into our Caesarea Philippi to be salt and light in the world. Now, as I mentioned starting out, the place where most of us spend most of our time, the Caesarea Philippi, if you will, that most of us live in every day, at least five days a week and sometimes more, is our workplace. Even if you work from home, your time, your focus, your energy is consumed by the workplace. And so whether you're going into an office, whether you're working from home, whether you're a traveling salesman, whether you drive a truck, whether you fly a plane, in, in whatever area of life, however you earn your living, that is where you're going to spend most of your waking hours is focused on work. And this is, of course, true for stay-at-home mom. You may say, well, she's at home. Yes, but it is her work during the day, which is very valuable, by the way. We never, ever want to devalue the work of moms who stay at home and, and rear up the next generation of giant killers, and not giant killers, by the way, but giant killers. Go look up Bill Johnson's book about that. That's pretty funny, actually. But with this this whole um, the, the the whole responsibility of a mom or of a of a worker in a workplace, all of us, whatever our task may be, this is an area where the dominion of Christ Jesus must come. So let's talk a little bit about Jesus in the marketplace, or as I'm jokingly putting it today, it's take your Lord to work day. How do we live out the mandate of the kingdom in the workplace? Now, one of the things we must not do is think that we have to go all churchy. In other words, I'm going into the marketplace and suddenly I have to you know, break out in preaching while standing on the conference table in the middle of the, of the, of the board meeting or whatever. Uh, we don't have to feel like that we have to uh, turn the break room into a bully pulpit or that we have to somehow become aggressive and overt and begin to use um, evangelism tactics that we've all been trained in to try to pressure people into salvation. That's the way we've thought in the, in the past about representing Jesus in the world. But I think there's something very different that the Holy Spirit's calling us to now. In fact, one of the things I've been preaching a lot about over the last year or two in our church at Freedom Life is how do we embody the kingdom in a way that makes the gospel attractive, that draws people to us, that sets up that situation Peter talked about where we are ready to give an answer for the reason of the hope. How do we live a life that provokes the question that sets us up to give the answer? 
And there are three things, and I know I know there are many more things we could talk about, but these are the three things I've been most focused on, and I want to share them with you, and then I'll let you get on with your day. But these three things are love, wisdom, and power. Learning how to share love, wisdom, and power in the workplace. Learning how to live out the love of God where we're not being, it's not a matter of being forceful. It's not a matter of creating ultimatums. It's not a matter of trying to shame people into, are you right with God? Are you ready to meet him if Jesus comes today? Not the old tactics of evangelism we've all learned, but rather learning how to embody the love of Christ in such a way in the workplace that the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the affection of God is actually sensed and felt and experienced in in the workplace where we serve. And I mean by that, of course, embodying the love of Christ through the way we love those around us. It's impossible to tell someone about the love of Christ while treating them rudely. It's impossible to articulate or embody or manifest the love of Christ while being an entitled jerk. The first thing we must do as Christians is ask the Lord, help me live out your love in such a way that the love of Christ becomes attractive in my workplace. The second thing is the wisdom of Christ. Now, we see this love, wisdom, power thing, of course, represents God himself. God is love. Christ is the wisdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is the empowerment of God. You shall receive power if the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So this love, wisdom, power thing is actually the embodiment of our triune God being lived out in the world. So think about this. I'm embodying the love of Christ. I'm living out the love of Christ. But now I need to know how can I embody wisdom? Maybe you're a part of a a project or a team that's working on a very difficult and challenging situation. And you begin to pray and the Lord begins to give you heavenly downloads and you begin to release wisdom You become a solutionary, as Chris Valentin puts it, and you begin to pour out into the world around you heavenly wisdom, wisdom which does not come from above. Maybe the Lord speaks to you in a dream or in that in-between state when you're almost asleep, almost awake, and you begin to get downloads in the Spirit, and the Lord begins to give you wisdom and solutions for particular problems. Or maybe you're the person that embodies such wisdom that when coworkers are in trouble and their world is coming apart, their marriage is falling apart and they're struggling. They see you as a go-to. They see you as the answer man or answer woman. They see you as the person that if they can just get to talk to you for a few minutes, you will bring wisdom into their life. I really believe that this one thing right here is probably what the world is hungering for more than anything else. I know the world wants to be loved. And yet they can, in some sense, experience love through family, through friends, through many different means. But this hunger for wisdom is actually, it can actually only be fulfilled through the wisdom of Christ. All other wisdom is pseudo-wisdom. It's false wisdom. It's it's, uh, temporary. It seems to be right for a while, and then it proves to be wrong. And so if we can become repositories of wisdom, if we can become vessels of wisdom to where when people come to talk to us, we actually hear the voice of God giving us solutions for them. 
and we begin to speak prophetically into their life, and we give them words of encouragement that are more than just an attaboy or um, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm wishing, you know, well-wishing. <laughs> you you can do this. I, I'm, I'm for you. If we can actually begin to pray and let God give us prophetic words of wisdom that would speak into their life, I really believe that we can take our Lord to work today. We can actually release Jesus into our workplace simply by becoming the person with the listening ear, the person who knows how to release the empathy of the Spirit and the compassion of Christ through wisdom. The third thing is power. We not only need to embody the love of Christ and to love those around us, we not only need wisdom to bring solutions in the board meeting or in the in the conference room, you know, working solutions out on the whiteboard, but we also need divine empowerment. Now, I do mean by this supernatural power, such as praying for the sick and they're healed, uh, binding evil spirits and they flee. I do actually mean demonstrations of, of power within the workplace, but I think sometimes power can be a little more subtle than that. It may not be as overt or open as praying for someone who is sick and seeing them healed, though I do think we should do that when given the opportunity without being pushy with that. You can only, you can only release miracles into the lives of people who are asking for them. And that's just the way that works. What would you have me do for you, Jesus says over and over. But there are also more subtle ways to release the power of God. You could be sitting in a, in a meeting where there's a great deal of tension, and you just under your breath begin to pray in the Spirit. You begin to bind the spirits of contention and conflict. You begin to release angels of unity and of agreement and of of insight, uh, drawing on that wisdom that we were talking about a moment ago, and you begin to pray with the power of the Spirit, and in the power of the Spirit, you begin to bind demonic forces, and you 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 take authority in that environment, and you shift the atmosphere. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, and you learn how to intercede within your workplace to release the power of the Spirit. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon me, and you shall be witnesses unto me. There's something about representing Christ through the power of the Spirit that will actually make Christ attractive to those around you. So as you think about it's take your Lord to work day, as you think about Jesus in the marketplace, as you think about where you live, work, and play, ask this question, Father, how can I embody your love more effectively? How can I release or channel or mediate your wisdom more effectively. And Father, how can I partner with you through the power of the Holy Spirit to release that power into the world around me? I, I really do believe that this is absolutely one of the things Holy Spirit is taking us deeper into as we go, that we would be able to see the power of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of Christ, and the love of God released in our workplace. This is how changed people change the world. And through the transformation that is happening in you, you're going to bring that transformation into the world around you. God bless you. I'll see you next time on the Steve Pixler Podcast. Mm-hmm.